Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now. Here's Pastor Raphael. Hello. Thanks for stopping by and for downloading our program podcast entitled, Where Are We Going? I'm Raphael Martinez, a minister in the Church of God Cleveland Movement, and I'm so glad that you took the time to listen in today. This podcast is one of the services of Spirit Watch Ministries, an outreach of discernment in our deceptive world that has been ongoing since 1993. And you can learn more about us at our website, spiritwatch.org, and keep up to date using our Facebook and YouTube links there on the page as well. So while you're at it, invite all your friends, your enemies, pastors, uh, your dentists, <laughs> your third cousins, and everyone all points in between to also listen in. Pass on uh, this link to them. Uh, we're always seeking a new audience, and we'd appreciate the help spreading the word. So send this on by a text or by somebody just uh, tuning in and listening with you as well. Now, our podcast is devoted to providing biblical perspectives on the ongoing plunge of the world into the darkness of spiritual deception as foretold by Bible prophecy and the history of fallen humanity. Now, in this week's episode, we want to bring to your attention yet another lamentably all-too-familiar episode in that history, that of the aberrant existence of a megachurch in the Midwest that calls itself the Xenos Christian Fellowship. In 2020, the church changed its name to the Dwell Community Church, a rebranding that took place for reasons that will soon be quite apparent. Its regional reach around Columbus, Ohio cannot be overstated. Using a methodical penetration of evangelical school circles there with barely veiled efforts to target their high school and college-age youth for its own church recruitment since the 1970s, Zenus slash Dwell has leveraged a quiet yet powerful regional influence there. Keep in mind I said almost, because Zenus's example is hardly new or original, but I'm getting ahead of myself there, so just hold that thought. You see, for well over 50 years, Zenus slash dwell has represented itself as a veritable bastion of countercultural Christian orthodoxy radical and non-traditional church pioneering an engagement with the fallen secular culture all around it through creative small group ministries. It has quietly built many relationships with evangelical seminaries, churches, and mission organizations and is looked upon as a cutting-edge movement of higher Christian learning and community, having gained a wide acceptance of its presence among them. But their extensive connections among middle, high school, and college-age students is how Xenos is best known in the Ohio area, with an aggressively and intentionally staged focus on these age groups for church recruitment. Their energy and vision, empowered by the zeal of generations of youth, is incredible. It's colorful. It's truly compelling to watch. And along with a passion for Christian scholarship and community, Xenos slash Dwell, or XD as I will call them, 
continually seeks wherever it can to create vast networks of youth and young adult ministry aimed at being called into the Xenos vision. Well, that sounds pretty uplifting, right? Xenos even goes so far as to even establish a center of Christian higher learning that involves actual Christian apologetics that challenges cults, postmodernism, and offers worldview training. Why, it's the same kind of work that a ministry such as ours would provide. It hosts free medical clinics, clothing drives, and its own private Christian school system. XD wants to claim it's spreading the gospel of Christ and offering the refuge of intentional community building to all seeking connection in a fragmented society, assuring us in a statement off their website that is, quote, connecting biblical truth to modern life in real community, end quote. Well, sadly, we've discovered that this lofty assertion is to be little more viewed as just marketing verbiage that seeks to deflect from public view what the cold reality actually is. After our personal investigation over the past few months, we've come to a far more sobering conclusion that Xenos slash dwell is actually, quote, perverting biblical truth in modern church communities in real life, end quote. You see, it's their thin veneer of Christian orthodoxy that brightly paints over a hidden twisting of Christian spirituality that's being routinely done among them that is as insidiously damaging as the warping done in groups like the Watchtower Society, the Mormon Church, the International Church of Christ, and the Church of Scientology, among others. Despite a commitment to a statement of Christian faith that avows sound doctrinal positions, it has become glaringly apparent that their radical faith claims also involve a radical coercion, inflicting religious abuses, violations of conscience, and the destruction of the faith of an innumerable number of men and women there for decades. Now, that's not something to easily say, much less describe about a church. Seriously. I'm also aware that a lot of sincere and zealous XD members have been angered, dismayed, and embarrassed by the attention that's been recently focused upon these abuses that have been occurring all around them in their very own church. And I imagine they're all trying their best to live out an authentic faith, and with the stigma of Zenos' dubious history hanging about them, it's not being made any easier. Yet, as a Christian minister, I'm weary of having to turn one way or another only to see the damnable dysfunction of an elitist church group like Zenos slash Dwell crush the life out of generations of young women and men who became affiliated with it. After over 40 years of watching cult after cult emerge beneath the mass of Christian churches, it's a vexing and infuriating thing to have to behold and if the facilitators of these outrages would only just behave, there'd be no need for this podcast today, now would it? But there actually need to be a dozen or more podcasts going on about X slash D. Of that, there is no doubt. There's been a vast and inexplicable silence about the checkered past of this movement, except for scattered calls of expose here and there. And as we've been saying in our website articles and sharing through our, our council with victims of these movements, through this podcast over the past several weeks, the Lord Jesus Christ said that in the last days, this is to be expected. He warned us that it would be this way. And if we are to be faithful to his admonition, to 
and what he says about the present day and the corrupting influences within it had better be paid attention to. So we must press on to share more, and we're going to be as, try to be as concise as we can in breaking that silence about this abusive movement. For, for more information, we recommend you visit the spiritwatch.org website and look for our Cult World menu at the top of our homepage. You'll see a link to the articles we've written so far under the name Xenos Dwell. Now last fall, as we were wrapping up our input to the HBO Max docuseries on Remnant Fellowship, the final two episodes which would be released a month from now on April 28th, we received an email by someone claiming to have been a longtime member in the Xenos Christian Fellowship of Columbus, Ohio, and who as a result was struggling with an enormous burden of shame, fear, and guilt. This sad email led to a dialogue with this person who through emails that continued phone calls and personal interviews began to bear wrenching tidings about authoritarian abuses that they had suffered while there. We just started researching further into this when a new production company approached me and Megan Cox, president of the Beyond Zion Foundation, about helping to create a new series on cultism that would help expose a variety of cult movements in an episodic format. Intrigued by what seemed to be a providential movement, we decided to make an investigation into these claims about Xenos a part of this series. The production company agreed to start filming in Columbus and finding survivors to tell their story, so I turned back to learning more about Xenos through research. I learned that that it was created by Dennis McCallum and Gary Delashman in 1970 at the height of the countercultural upheaval in America in the 1960s. These two young college students would be profoundly shaped by a variety of eclectic influences within the culture that they lived in, which then led them to start a Bible study that would evolve into the small group house church networks upon which XD is founded today. Some of these involved a variety of evangelical writers and church planners who advocated radical forms of non-traditional spiritual experimentation. Now there's a lot more there than we have time to spend now upon, but what we can say is from these roots came forth the organic growth that from the start focused upon college students at Ohio State University and other local community colleges there in Columbus. It moved on only to adults and then children and youth ministry as the Xenos movement began to consolidate its growth and families were created who were members of the church. One of the unique aspects of Xenos' public identity is that of its attempts to uphold a conservative Christian orthodoxy. Its doctrinal statements would be agreed upon by any evangelical organization, and we largely find no fault in their declarations of faith and can embrace them ourselves. But for all these past 50 years, they have worked very hard to uphold sound doctrine as they created their theology and practice regarding intentional community based upon what they saw were New Testament principles of governance and fellowship. Now what we do find as grotesque fault is Zenos's ability to sanitize its public image and portray itself as a cutting edge and often misunderstood church by spin doctrine that would make a Maytag washer envious. Despite their public posturing, we've been shocked and infuriated to find that during those same decades of apparent orthodoxy in many of its private settings, Zenos' practical influence is either subtly 
or flagrantly abusive in application, where it can't be seen behind the closed doors of its fellowshipping. Multiple and ongoing reports from hundreds, if not thousands, of aggrieved men and women detail out-of-control social settings where drunken parties, fistfights, and sexual assault are just the most obvious signs of trouble. Leaders trying to explain away their toleration of alcohol-fueled socializing as a necessary evil for the sake of, quote, Christian ministry, end quote, are not off the hook for allowing such ungodly activity in places supposedly sanctified to God's purposes, for they've been also at the heart of a vast culture of religious abuse, where young and immature leaders mobilize group dynamics and personal pecking orders within the small groups they lead to illegitimately terrorize disciples with invasions of privacy and manipulation of lifestyles that the thought police of George Orwell's 1984 would be proud of. In beginning our discussion on XD's divisive, polarizing example, we must point out that the confrontational and elitist attitude that XD's leadership brings to this perverse process quite literally is heresy in its purest form. The root me meaning of the word heresy is that of a chaotic division of a group of people from one another, which is exactly what Xenos's draconian demands for surrender to its authority actually result in. Generations of Xenos members have separated from families, their churches, their loved ones, their careers, and even their own consciences in a heresy that is all too familiar to those who have experienced the authoritarianism of other cultic movements. Megan and I, familiar with the abuses of the Remnant Fellowship cult, see virtually no difference between their warped operation and that of Xenos slash Dwell itself. The hyper-organized recruiting process of Xenos involves a fine-tuned methodology that would make direct marketing entities blush. Xenos' boots on the ground deploy apps and good old-fashioned forms to identify who around them might be someday leadership material for their movement, if not just plain members and recruits. Databases of prospects are then created and aggressively targeted in a variety of effective ways. The organization uses every bit of media-savvy content creation and never-ending efforts to lure any young mind they can do so behind the smokescreen of a zealous Christian vibe that gets them access to their social circles and schools by generations of, of these same members seeking to practice their faith. The bandwagon appeal leads to staged social events after school bashes and hard sell encounters where the older and, and hipper Xenos leaders and members pitch to recruits as to just how cool it is to follow Jesus into a place like their church. Ultimately, it leads many starry-eyed teens to find a seemingly harmless refuge in the intimacy of small Xenos groups and house churches who then leave their own churches to do so. And, and these personal one-on-one -on -one interactions then completely conceal the circumstances and prevent anyone from seeing their intrusive chokeholds on the young. It's a classic bait-and-switch technique. Or as one cult leader once said, the usage of a lot of carrot, a lot of carrot, and a lot more stick. This marketing effort cunningly conceals Zenas's efforts so well from public view, and it's in an arena of recruitment that's largely overlooked or <laughs> even ignored by evangelical pastors, organizations, and church leaders who you think might know better. 
but whose undeserving naivete is what's really on display here. In researching Zenos' history, doctrine, and practice, this absence of theological error has been the greatest cloak for its ongoing program of abuse. You cannot fault their doctrine, but history teaches us that simply because a church can pass a litmus test of doctrinal purity doesn't guarantee that they're actually going to act in a manner consistent with their affirmed biblical ideals. Xenos is hardly as original in this area as it likes to think. Throughout history, there have been innumerable instances in which churches safeguarded a doctrinal integrity that was then completely undercut by what they eventually passed off as appropriate conduct among themselves. I think of Protestantism proceeding from Reformation-era rejection of the medieval Roman Catholic Church. It has a lion's share of these examples, and, and even in today's modern society, a sizable number of evangelical church networks such as the Every Nation Group, the Sovereign Grace Ministries sect, and the now defunct Mars Hill Church Network are just a few of the latest iterations of institutionalized imbalance. They're disgusting examples of power tripping without any accountability and a full-blown infatuation with authority and control are no different than that of Xenos slash Dwell itself. Affirming a statement of Christian faith on one hand, all the while exploiting, mistreating, and ruining the lives of Christians submitted to them is what abusive churches and cults routinely do. The protest over their, over their biblicity is a hollow and worthless ploy to escape exposure and accountability of their wickedness. Dr. James Bjornstad, a professor at Cedarville University and a researcher of aberrant Christian movements for decades, has this to say about those who misuse scripture. What I am bothered the most about as I begin with this, and I'm going to look at the misuse of scripture within aberrant Christianity, is that in today's culture we have become, the term we use is postmodern. And what postmodern means is that we have uh, little communities that make their own values, you know, their own absolutes or, or whatever. There really is no universal absolute or value of any sense. The problem is that I see Christianity falling into that as well. That, that every little uh, community of itself, I call it a hermeneutical community, interprets scriptures in light of uh, what it practices, what it believes, what its structure is. And it almost reminds me somewhat of what I said years ago about the cult. You know, uh, they want the Bible to support what they believe and what they do as dearly as you want it to support what you believe and you do. The only problem is that what the Bible says disagrees with what they believe. And so they have to find some way to twist it or to bend it to make it conform to their beliefs. I think that's not only true of the world at large outside, I think that's true of Christianity as well. Because I think we do the same thing. We approach the Bible with our structure, our understanding, our belief, our practice, and then the Bible has to teach what we believe. Uh, I'm going to step on your toe, I guess, uh, if you hold that, because what I'm going to say is that what is not ultimately important is what you believe, but what the Bible says. And if the Bible says something that is contrary to what you believe or you practice, then I think it's time for you to change what you're doing rather than change the text. A truly Christ-centered approach to Christian community results in room for the activity of the Holy Spirit using gentle yet firm biblical admonitions that don't involve the kind of torments we've heard of, of in Zenas' treatments of struggling people within their grasp. 
Their heretical toleration of abusive leadership involves control, manipulation, mind control, and group dynamics targeting victims that is beyond chilling, but borders on the demonic. I once said Gwen Shamblin of Remnant Fellowship treats her disciples as if they were dolls at a tea party she presides over. But in Xenos, you easily have had three generations of twisted men and women given free hand over their own coteries, filled with far more dolls you could imagine to do with as they pleased. They truly believe this to be a divinely inspired arrangement raised up of God to really help people mature through their God-given potential. But instead, their sterile imitation of pastoral care has turned generations of young people into casualties of supposedly friendly spiritual fire, as Dr. Ron Enroth, author of the landmark book Churches That Abuse, notes so dryly yet accurately about abusive churches. Abusive churches foster an unhealthy form of dependency, spiritually and otherwise, by focusing on themes of submission and obedience to those in authority. They create the impression that people aren't going to find their way through life's maze without a lot of firm directives from those at the top. They promote what MacDonald calls a form of learned helplessness. He writes, Remarkably, many intelligent Christians actually enjoy being told what to do. The disquieting truth is that many Christians do indeed fall into the trap of authoritarianism because of an inclination toward the black and white mentality that abusive churches cater to. If you have the type of personality that is drawn toward groups that offer wraparound security and solutions to all your problems, you are vulnerable to spiritual abuse. If you value your spiritual autonomy, you must resist any teaching that brings into question Christ's role as the sole mediator between God and humankind. No Christian is ever called upon to give unquestioning obedience to anyone. The discerning Christian must also be aware of the trap of legalism, lifestyle rigidity and the keeping of a set of rules can stifle spiritual liberty and encourage abuse. Preoccupation with keeping Christian rules enhances guilt feelings in members and it acts as an effective control mechanism for power abusers. Legalism is never corrective church discipline for legalism pulls us away from following Christ toward another gospel Another gospel that says the cross is not enough. Reports of Zenos' abuses have been ongoing since the 1970s and come to a head in the public eye only now and then. Tragically, this typically occurs only during times of controversy and tragedy that arose out of some breathtakingly mishandled challenge that Zenos dwell leaders flubbed. From 2013 onward, a series of untimely deaths in Xenos, as well as unflattering newspaper articles were the likely reasoning for a 2018 rebranding that resulted in Xenos shedding its long-standing and jarringly cold name, full of identification with its countercultural roots, ardor, and warfare, to a far more accommodating and user-friendly, even cuddly identity as the Dwell Community Church. In doing this, XD cleverly sidesteps Google searches that will connect it to the scant but existing sources of information about it that help dwell uh, become exposed as to what it really stands for. 
Yet despite these energetic efforts to shore up XD's public image, the testimonies of those who have left in the past 10 years seem to imply a serious hardening of an already stringent attitude in Xenos towards struggling members. Each way we turned during our investigation, we kept finding people with personal involvement timelines spanning the entire 50-year existence of Xenos, who were all different people from all different walks of life, but whose testimonies essentially remained the same. That Xenos is complicit in a massive amount of abuse at the hands of its leaders is plainly attested to by no less than Dennis McCallum himself in a 2018 retreat. Had some problems in the past, and uh, here and there, still today, frankly, probably more common among student ministry than adult, where leaders are are speaking to things that they shouldn't be speaking to in a way that they shouldn't be speak, speaking authoritatively on things that's not their business. That is, uh, they're overstepping. And we've had uh, major problems before with leaders trying to dictate who you can date and, and when you can date. You're not mature enough to date. Stuff like that. It's not their judgment to make. So, uh, of course, it's a big disgrace. So we have to always be studiously staying within the bounds uh, that we've been that have been set for us by God. And um, um, just being content to work there people will uh, go astray. Our leader, our following is going to go astray at many points. We're going to have people that refuse to follow. And uh, that's one of the points I think that Nee made well in that book, is that we don't have to speak on behalf of our own authority. The clear warning of McCallum is just too bright a revelation to ignore. Leaders have and will continue to fail in their oversight, as he puts it, going astray at many, many points. His comments are hardly a newsflash, however, to hundreds if not thousands of people who are no longer a part of Xenos or who have mildly and quietly kept their silence while remaining a member within it. McCallum's attempt at candor, as well as these personal encounters, lead us to conclude that Xenos is a cultic movement and that its leaders need to be called to account no matter how much damage control they offer. They are a law unto themselves and should be avoided for being a spiritually perilous band of arrogant and proud Lone Ranger Christians who hate the church Christ died for and yet look upon it as a source to enrich itself by and not edify. You know the rest of that story as does Kate Mazel and Conrad Hilario who invited us to a dialogue, as they called it, in which they tried hard to dismiss these testimonies as suspect because they were anonymous to them but not to us. We didn't play that, and we found that our attempts to dialogue were then doomed from the start. So, for the edification of our listeners, including a growing audience of Xenos and ex-Xenos members who are joining us today, which we welcome you all, uh, in our next broadcast, we want you to know we're going to start bringing to you a few more interviews with ex-members whose perspectives and voices can no longer be ignored. We look forward to providing them on our podcast as a means to finally tell their story. So surf on by next week for more of these testimonies. Our prayer is that Xenos wake up and smell the pizza. Scripture says judgment does still begin at the house of God. It's time that the cloning factory of XD get a major overhaul. We're not here to burn it down, but to hopefully shut it down and, and see it called to a serious retooling.
Now, we don't hold our breath over that, but we're doing what we can to provide a time of visitation to Zenos that it's never had before. It's time for some explaining and for some repenting. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.